words that we speak can be life-giving words, like Solomon said, or they can be life-taking words. They have the power of life and the power of death. If you want to change the life you have, you need to change the words you speak. Don't hold back a blessing from someone. Don't rob someone of a blessing. Give them life-giving words. When you think it, say it. You know, when you speak truths to people in love, you couldn't be any more helpful. Our thoughts impact our words, our words impact our actions, and our actions impact our habits, and our habits create our destiny. Our words can glorify God, they can improve our relationships, and they can make us more like Christ. Let there be light, maybe? Good morning. Welcome to Orchard Church. Good to have you guys here this morning. We had a real problem this morning in our 930 service. Some of you experienced it. Uh, People that were coming in uh, close to uh, 930 could not find a seat and we had to bring out extra chairs. We had a really good problem this morning. Can we praise God for that? Um, I I do want to ask you guys this. the, the last three weeks uh, here at Orchard Church, the first three Sundays, now this is the fourth Sunday of the year, uh, we have been 45% up above the same Sundays last year. 45%. Um, we can't build that building fast enough is basically what I'm telling you guys. Uh, but it's going to take a little time. And, and I'm going to ask you guys in the 930 service, if, if any of you could help us out. Normally we wait to Easter to ask you to do this, but we can't wait this year. And this is a good thing. It's a good problem to have. If any of you could possibly get up just a little earlier and come to our 8 o'clock service, uh, you definitely will have seats available, okay? We have about 200 in our 8 o'clock service, and we've been having uh, about 600 in the 9.30 and the 11 o'clock service. And so it's a simple way, honestly, in all seriousness, it's a simple way you could serve Orchard Church just by saying, you know what, I can get up a little earlier and make that sacrifice and come to the 8 o'clock so we can free up seats in in the 9.30 and the 11. I'd tell you to wait and come the 11, but it's hard to find a seat in the 11 as well. So if you could help us out with that, it'd be a simple way that you could open up seats for guests and and new people, because we certainly don't want to stop um, the growth and what God's doing at Orchard Church, amen, and and, and people coming. So if you could help us in that way, I'll see you next Sunday at the 8 o'clock. I'll be here, all right? We'll have a good, good time. Um, I want to share something with you this morning. Tur- turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. That's going to be one of our main passages this morning. And as you're getting there, I want to just say thank you to our church. We have hired a church uh, building and land consultant as we're moving forward with the 38 acres we just purchased next door to Prairie View High School. And we've hired a church building consultant to help us with that process. And just a couple of weeks ago, we asked you guys to participate in a survey to find out your level of excitement and support uh, as we move forward with this land and, and breaking ground for our our new building, and our consultant was blown away with the response of Orchard Church, both in the amount of people and and how positive and excited you guys are about this process, and he said the survey represented over a thousand people in our church and families, so thank you guys. Give yourself a hand. Thank you for your responses. 
And I want to just quickly give you a couple of the responses that were really meaningful to our, our, our leadership team, our executive council, our building team, as you guys answered these. And our, our church consultants said, I've been doing this 15 to 20 years. I've never seen such excitement and positive responses from any church like I saw from Orchard Church. He said it was monumental. It was astounding. It was phenomenal. He said, normally if you get uh, strongly agree and it's like in the 80 to 85 percent range, that's good. 85 to 90 is really good. Anything over 90, he said, is almost unheard of. You guys were over 90% in almost every category. Some of them 95%. And so there's a lot of momentum and excitement. Let me just read a couple of them. One question said, I believe there's significant potential in our community for our church to grow in attendance and reach more people with the gospel. 98.6% said we strongly agree with that. Uh, another one said, I have confidence in our church leadership to execute a building campaign. 93.2% said strongly agree. Uh, this one was interesting. Uh, just listen, hear me out on this. It said, I am interested in seeing Orchard Church reach more people for Jesus Christ, 98.3%. Now, that, that sounds good, but you would hope that would have been 100%. And so the consultant said, I'm going to assume the other 1.7% didn't understand the question. <laughs> that we're interested in seeing Orchard Church reach more people for Christ. And then this last one I want to share with you, it was just such an encouragement, a blessing, and very humbling, to be quite honest, for, for our leadership team and all of us here at Orchard Church as we go through this process. Uh, the question was, I'm willing to put the mission of what Jesus calls us to do as a church ahead of my own personal preference, and I will support the decisions of the leadership as to what and when we build. 95% strongly agree with that statement. So thank you guys. Thank you so much. We're... We have some exciting things to look forward to in the days ahead, and we all get to be a, a part of that. So thank you. Today, we're wrapping up our series, Small Things, Big Difference. Small Things, Big Difference. And you know what? We, we don't have to look any further than the NFL football world to understand that small things <laughs> make a big difference. Just ask the New England Patriots about one pound of PSI in a football that small things make a big difference. And, and what we've talked about in this series is we've entered the first month of 2015 and we want to make changes in our life and try to make resolutions. And we look at other people's lives and maybe they're successful or they've accomplished something or they've achieved a level in their life. And we say, oh, I want to achieve that. And we ask them, how did you do that? What was the big thing? What was the big change, the big decision? And, and what we've been learning throughout this study, it's our, our key thought. You have it in your notes, so I hope you'll take this down again. It's often the small thing that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. It's the small things done consistently over time that result in the big things that everyone wants. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 25, if we're faithful over a few things, then he will trust us with bigger things. Small things, big difference. The first week, we challenged you to come up with one God-given word and verse that would direct your year. And it's been fun to watch people posting you know, their word on Facebook and things like that because God said, don't despise the beginning of small things that will make a big difference. The second week, we talked about one God-given thought that we can say and speak over and over because as Proverbs says, as a man or a person thinks in their heart, 
So is he. We are what we think. And then we talked last week, Gary brought a wonderful message. If you missed it, go, go to orchardchurch.tv and you can watch it. He talked about the importance of our words, small things that make a big difference. I know for many of us last week, we chose our words differently because the scripture says there's power of life and death in the words that we speak. Amen, church? So words make a big difference. And we've said that thoughts lead to words that lead to actions, that lead to habits or disciplines that lead to our destiny, where we want to go, where we want to be, what we want to become, because we are what we repeatedly do. Make no mistake about it. We are what we repeatedly do. So today we're going to close this series out talking about a small thing that can make a big difference in your life. We're going to talk about disciplines or habits, disciplines. And I'm super excited to close out with this one because this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we take everything we've learned and we put it into action today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We go, this is what I'm going to do. This discipline, this habit in my life, small thing that can make a big difference. So to start out this morning by show of hands, let me ask you, how many of you would say you're a highly disciplined person? You're highly disciplined. Don't be ashamed of it. Raise your hand. Okay. All right. Three of you. Cool. All right. How many of the rest of you would be honest and say, I'm not real highly, not so much, not highly disciplined. That should be the rest of you. Okay. So you're like, you're not even disciplined enough to raise your hand. Some of you guys, most of us would say we're not highly disciplined, but I would challenge you with this thought. This morning, you're more disciplined than you realize. Most of us are highly disciplined. We all have habits in our life. They're just not always good. We all have disciplines, but they're sometimes bad disciplines. And what we want to talk about this morning is how to have good disciplines because we have some bad disciplines that just naturally come into our life. We want to talk about good disciplines. It's like talking to someone and the, you, about discipline and they complain, I'm not, I'm not a disciplined person. You know, I don't eat right. I'm in bad shape. I'm really lazy. I don't get up. And when I do, I play video games all day. And, you know, I just eat too much. And I would say to them, well, you are more disciplined than you think. You're disciplined to hit the snooze button too many times. You're, you're disciplined to play video games too much. You're disciplined to eat whatever you want. And then they're like, yeah, you're right. I've never missed a meal. See, we are disciplined, it's just, are we, do we have good discipline or do we have bad discipline? Do we have good habits or bad habits? And, and I, I believe we want to have good discipline. So I want to give you a key thought that's going to drive the message this morning, how to have good disciplines, a working definition of discipline. You have it in your notes, and this is good. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. I love that definition. I wish I would have came up with it, but it's a great definition. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. All of you are successful in some area of your life. And those areas of your life where you're successful and you're doing well, I promise you, it's because of discipline, good discipline. If you have a great, healthy marriage, it's because of some good discipline. You know, maybe you have a regular date night and you spend time with your spouse. You invest in that relationship because good marriages don't just happen by accident. Amen? If you've got a great relationship with your kids, it's, I promise you, it's because you have some good disciplines and good habits, spending time with your kids, being at their events, supporting them. If, you're, if you lead a business, if you're a successful business person, I promise you, it's because you have some good disciplines in your life. You have a plan, you have an action, you have a business plan, and you're working that. You're, you're growing as a leader. If you're healthy financially, it doesn't, you're not going to be healthy financially in this society on accident. You've got some good disciplines. You, you live on a, a plan. You live on a, a budget. You, you act your wage. 
You, you, you don't uh, wonder where your money went. You tell your money where to go rather than wondering where it went. You've got a good discipline. If you're healthy and you're over 30, 35, that didn't happen by accident. Amen? 30, 35-year-old pluses, you know? You with me? You got to do something. You got to eat different. You got to exercise different. And if you have a great relationship with your heavenly father, if you got a great relationship with Jesus Christ, that doesn't happen by accident. You've got some good disciplines in your life. Maybe you get up and you, you read the Bible every day. You spend time in prayer. You, you obey God's word. You've got some good disciplines. And it makes you healthy in those areas of your life. If you agree, say yes. But the opposite is also true. The areas of our life, our marriage, spiritually, financially, health, whatever, where we're struggling and we're not healthy, it's because we're lacking good disciplines. We have disciplines in those areas, but they're bad disciplines. And, and most of the time, when, I, when I've counseled with people and they're struggling in an area of their life, and I, I usually ask them, well, what do you think you should do? They tell me exactly what they should do. We know what we should do to have better disciplines, don't we? We just don't always do it. We know what it is. Here's what happens. We make a decision like at the first of the year in 2015, we say, you know, I'm going to get in shape this year. And I, I know what I need to do. And we have great intentions. We get up Monday morning and we go to the gym and we work out and we feel really good about ourselves. And then we do it again on Tuesday. We're like, yes, two days in a row. Woohoo. And we're feeling good about ourselves. We got good intentions. And then Wednesday morning, the third day, we wake up and we go, ooh, ooh, shoulders a little hurting this morning, a little tired. My, my chest is a little sore. You know, I'm just going to take a rest day. Just one day. And then the next day, we get good intentions. We're going to get up and we look outside and we go, oh, I didn't know it might snow. I mean, the road is a little slippery. I need to, you know, I better just stay in and be safe today. You know, and then the next day, you know, we worked late. We're up with the kids and, you know, we're tired. We just got to catch up on our rest. And before you know it, the good discipline is now bad discipline. We had good intentions. You know, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat better you know, this is the year I'm going to get healthy, I'm going to eat better. And so you, you eat healthy on Monday, and you eat healthy on Tuesday, and then Wednesday, you're busy, and you're rushing around, you're trying to get the kids places, and the golden arches are calling your name. It's a happy place. Get a happy meal, happy kids. You get a break. And you go to McDonald's, and you go, okay, I'm just going to get a, I'm just going to get a, this is a little small hamburger. And you end up, you know, getting the double Whopper supersized. And there goes the discipline. And then the next day, you're in a hurry, and the, you make a run for the border. You know, you go to the bell. And, and, and all of a sudden, the good discipline turns into bad dis, di, discipline. And you know what the opposite of discipline is? Inconsistency. We want to be consistent. We want to have good discipline. But you ever feel this frustration, why am I so inconsistent? I have. Well, here's the good news. I'm not here to make you feel bad this morning. I'm not here to beat you up because we've all dealt with this. And the good news is this. You're not alone. We've all felt the frustration at times. Why am I so inconsistent? And we can relate to each other. I can relate to you. And there's a spiritual leader in the Bible that can relate to you and your, and your challenge. And his name is the Apostle Paul. He's probably one of the greatest spiritual leaders in, in the Bible. And the, and the Apostle Paul wrote over half of our New Testament. I mean, this guy planted churches in the known world everywhere. But the Apostle Paul had some areas of his life he struggled to be consistent and, and to be disciplined in. And so look at what he says in Romans chapter 7, verse 15 to 25. Paul says, he's, he's very open, he's very honest, it's very raw and real. And he says, for what am I doing? I do not understand. Can anybody relate? Say yes. What am I doing? What, why, why am I this way? Why can't I be disciplined? Why can't I be consistent? 
And then he, he really opens up his heart. He says, for what I will to do, or I know I should do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. You ever been there? Paul says, the things I know I should be doing, I'm not doing. The things I shouldn't be doing, I'm doing. Man, we can relate to Paul. He goes on to verse 17, he says, but now it is no longer I who do it, but what, church? Sin. It's sin that pulls us away from good godly disciplines. It's sin that pulls us, our flesh, to be inconsistent in the wrong direction. And he says, but sin that dwells in me, that's the problem. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. And that's true of every single one of us, amen? That's not, this isn't just a problem that Paul had. We all have that problem. Even if we're a believer in Jesus Christ, we still have a sinful, fallen nature that is there that wants to pull us in the wrong direction. He says, for I know that in me and my flesh nothing good dwells, for to will is present with me. I want to do right, but how to perform what is good I do not find. I keep getting myself in trouble. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. And not only is it sin in our flesh, but we have an enemy, Satan, that always wants to pull us in the wrong direction, away from good disciplines. Verse 20 says, now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I, verse 21, I find in a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God, God's word, according to the inward man. I want to obey God. I want to obey his word, but I struggle. Verse 23, but I see another law in my members, in my body, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity, the law of sin, which is in my members. And there's this constant battle between the flesh and the spirit, between God and Satan. And we wake up to it every day. If you're with me, say yes. We all do. And then he just cries out. I love Paul's honesty and transparency. Verse 24, oh, wretched man that I am, I'm a mess. I'm not disciplined. What, what's going to help me? And then, and then notice what he says. He asks the question. He makes a statement and then he answers it. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, what will deliver me from this body of death? Is that what he said? I, I'm trying to see if you guys are awake this morning. That's not what it says. He doesn't say what will deliver me. He says who will deliver me. It's not about a principle, it's about a person. It's not a what, it's a who. Here's the answer. You tired of being inconsistent? You want to find discipline in your life to do what you should and not do what you shouldn't? Oh, wretched man, who am I? Who, am I? who will deliver me from this body of death? And he answers the question, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that could turn our life around. He could take our sin nature and he could help us to be disciplined. The good news is with Jesus' help, we can all change. But we can't do it on our own. Jesus is stronger. That's what Paul's saying. This is great news this morning. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus is stronger than our appetites and our sin nature. Jesus can help us choose between what we want now and what we want most. And listen, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, okay, so what I need is to be more self-disciplined. We hear that all the time. Listen, church, we're not talking about self-discipline. Paul's talking about spirit discipline. 
The spirit of God that, that God places inside of us, the moment we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he puts God's spirit in us, and it's only the spirit that can overcome the flesh. Listen, church, we're not talking about a course this morning. We're talking about Christ. We're not talking about a seminar. We're talking about a savior. We're not talking about self-discipline. We're talking about spirit discipline. Come on, help me out. We're not talking about Dr. Phil as much as I like him. We're talking about the great physician. That's what we're talking about this morning. That's the only way we're going to change and be consistent and be disciplined. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead can give us the power and the Spirit to change and to be disciplined. Spirit disciplined. Let me give you an example of this. And this might seem trivial, but it's meaningful to me and I want to share it with you. Gary, our worship arts director, spoke last week in this series and he let the cat out of the bag that Pastor Doug and his wife and Gary and his wife took a few days and we went to Vegas. Now you all know, okay? Thank you, Gary, for telling everyone at Orchard Church we went to Vegas. You know, I was trying not to post anything on Facebook because somebody would judge us. And you go, okay, what do our two pastors and their wives do for four days in Vegas? Let me just say this. What happens in Vegas... That's all I got to say. No, no, we were good. We were good for the most part. We were good. But, but one of the challenges I've told you guys, you know, when I, when I turned 30 and then, and then I turned 40 and then a little bit beyond that, I learned if I want to try to stay in shape, I've got to work out regularly. I've got to eat differently. And here we had just come off the holidays and we all go crazy in the holidays with food. And then two weeks later, we decide, well, hey, this is a good idea. Let's go to Vegas. I mean, these amazing restaurants up and down the strip, buffets are everywhere. Now, I'm going to tell you, I was not really tempted by the nice, fancy restaurants and the buffets. I, I could say no to that. That wasn't my problem in Vegas. My problem in Vegas was between the airport and our hotel, because we've been there before. It wasn't the first time. And before we ever even got to the hotel, my flesh caused me to stop at a little restaurant, not even on the strip, called in and out Burger. Oh, glory to God on high. Thank you, Jesus, for in and out Burger. It's a Christian company. It's owned by a Christian family. We don't have them here in Colorado, which is probably a good thing. And we saw our first meal was at in and out Burger. Before we went to the airport, true story, last meal, our last supper in Vegas. We went to the same In-N-Out Burger. I wanted to get a dozen to go and take them home and freeze them. And Shelly's like, no. And, and I couldn't say no to In-N-Out Burger. Now, the truth is this. In my flesh, I could have eaten an In-N-Out Burger every meal in Vegas. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's that good. You know, I mean, double-double with cheese animal style. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to know how many calories are in that. But this is true. My flesh wanted an In-N-Out burger, but the Spirit of God inside of me, Jesus, th th this is true, you guys are going to think I'm crazy. Jesus said, Doug, that's not a good idea. You're a pastor at Orchard Church. You talk, you're trying to encourage people to get in shape and be healthy. You're going you're to stand on a stage before thousands of people in a couple of Sundays, and they don't want to see you wearing your In-N-Out burger. 
And so I said, no. But I, in my flesh, I tried to justify it. It's a Christian company. They got John 316 on the bottom of their cup. <laughs> Listen, they might be a Christian company, but they don't have Christian food. <laughs> I have not found anywhere in this Bible that tells me it's okay to go to in and out But in all seriousness, I, I really believe God wants to set some of you guys free today. If you get this, not self-discipline, spirit discipline. The Spirit of God can set you free in those areas of your life where you're struggling and you need some good discipline. The Spirit of God can help you choose between what you want now and what you want most. And you're going, okay, I'm in. How? How do I, how do, I do that? How do I live a Spirit-disciplined life? Let me give you another key thought this morning. You've got to train to win in what matters most. If you want what matters most, not what matters now, you've got to train to win in what matters most. You're in the book of Romans. I want you to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. It's one book over, probably, I don't know, 10, 15 pages in your Bible. If you're on an app, it's real easy. Just 1 Corinthians, push it, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Because Paul is going to teach us and help us know how to train to win in what matters most. And as you're turning there, and this is the same writer of Romans, Paul, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and the, and, and the church in Corinth and the people of the Corinthian society had these, these games that they were famous for, the Greek games. They were called the Isthmian games. They're like our Olympics, and, and only the best athletes could participate in the Isthmian games. And they were highly disciplined athletes that were chosen, and it was patriotic pride for them to represent you know, their town or their village. They would go to, through 10 months of special training to be in these Isthmian games. They would have to go on a very strict regimented diet, no in and out. Uh, they, they had to be exposed to extreme cold and extreme heat to prepare them in these 10 months. They could have no wine at all to drink. They could have no sexual activity. Even if they were married, they couldn't be intimate with their spouse for, for 10 months. Which is why if I was living at that time, I would not be signing up for the Isthmian Games. All right, just keeping it real, all right? I love my wife. And I'll just stop there, okay? Before I get in trouble... <laughs> But he's using this illustration of the Isthmian games and the discipline it takes to participate in these games. And he uses that physical illustration to teach us a spiritual truth. And watch what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race, the Isthmian games, they all run, but only how many receive the prize? One. Only one winner. Only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it, that you may obtain the prize. There are going to be a lot of runners, and they're all disciplined, but run that you might obtain it. Now, that's our English translation. In the Greek, they would say this word, treho katalabano, and they would say it over and over. It simply means this, run to win. If you're going to be disciplined and you're going to run, run to win. Treho katalabano, run to win. Paul says, and then he goes on in verse 25, he says, and everyone who competes for the prize to win is temperate in all things. Some of your Bibles may have even translated discipline. The word temperate means discipline. They're all disciplined, they're all temperate in all things to be able to be in this race. And these athletes were so highly disciplined in order to win that they they didn't want to place, they didn't want to get silver or bronze, they they wanted to win. And I, I did a little study on this and and checked it out a little background and they were so committed and disciplined to run to win that as crazy as it sounds it it, it, it kind of seems nuts 
When they would run in the race, they didn't want anything to hold them back or hinder them from winning and running. So many times it was known they would run naked. True story. They'd run naked. They'd strip all their clothes off. I mean, they didn't have the Speedos and the spandex and all the stuff we got now. They had baggy clothes and robes and it's hard to run. So they would strip down naked in order to win the race. No hindrances. You know, I, I just thought about that. If, if I was in that race and had to do that, that's great motivation to win and be out front when you're running. Because I don't want to be behind looking at all the behind, you know? <laughs> just keeping it real. Is it okay to have fun in church and laugh? Is that okay? Okay, I thought so. If not, you're probably in the wrong place. But, but, but there's a spiritual truth even in that. Because he's talking about running to win, and they would strip naked so there was no hindrance. And you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. The writer of Hebrews, we don't know for sure, but a lot of people think it's Paul, and I do too, but that could, that's another debate. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews said. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. That's the spiritual truth. That sin that holds us down, we got to get rid of it. we got to strip it off to be disciplined. And then in that context, he goes on in verse 25. And Paul says, now they do it. They run to obtain a perishable crown. You know what they get if they won? I mean, stripping down naked, 10 months, all this stuff to work out, and they get a wreath of leaves on their head that would, you know, decay in just a few days. That's, that's what they get. He says, they do this for a perishable crown. But listen, here's the spiritual truth. Listen, Christians, but we for an imperishable crown, a crown of glory, a crown that comes from God one day, that as Christians, that we get to stand before Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and hopefully hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. Heavenly rewards that are, are with us forever that can never be taken away. And then he goes on in verse 26, he says, therefore I run thus. Here's how I run, Paul says, because I'm in an eternal race that I want to win. And I, I have to have discipline, spirit discipline. He says, I run this way, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. He says, I'm not shadow boxing. I know who my enemy is, my flesh, the devil. And he says, verse 27, but I say it, church. Are y'all reading y'all's Bibles? That's what we're here to do. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. Paul says, we don't run this race of life for some trophy or some plaque or some medal or some wreath of leaves. We run to the glory and honor of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all the blessings that come with that in eternity and now for our marriages and our families and our kids and our finances and our health. But it's not going to happen because we have self-discipline. It's going to happen because we have spirit discipline. We're, we're not talking about self-discipline. We're talking about the secret weapon that God places inside of us, the spirit of God when we accept Jesus Christ. Spirit discipline. That we can make a right choice between what I want right now in my flesh and what I want most and what God wants most. If you're with me, church, say yes. Man, I'm telling you, this is, uh, somebody at the first service said, man, I thought you were going to get out a white hanky and start waving it around. This is good stuff. 
This is life-changing stuff. This, this is, if we can grasp this and put this into our everyday lives, it will change our life. And some of you, I know you're like, okay, slow down, preacher boy. You're really excited this morning about this. But this is easy for you. You're a pastor. I, I wish it were easier for me. I got a flesh just like you do. I got a sin nature just like you do. I got an enemy just like you do. And, and I, let me tell you, let me just be honest with you guys. Like Paul was honest. I am not naturally disciplined. I could bring Shelly, my wife, up here and she could spend the rest of the time today telling you how I'm not disciplined. I have been known to leave my towel on the bathroom floor many times. I've been known to leave my shoes laying around the house in places they should not be. This is a regular occurrence at the Dameron house. I'm getting ready to leave and I'm in a hurry. And I say, Shelly, where are my shoes? I can't find my shoes. And sweet little Shelly, spirit-filled Shelly, she says, well, honey, there are, they are wherever you left them. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate the help, hon. And if I'm really, if I'm really honest, now I hope I don't lose anyone's respect this morning as your pastor. But if I'm really honest, I have been known to leave the toilet lid up. Oh, men, don't you even do that. <laughs> don't you judge me. Amen, ladies. Now, now, it's really bad now in my house, and I'll tell you why. Because, you know, for, for 18 years, it was two men in our house and two ladies in our house. Me and my wife and my son and my daughter. My son decided to go off to college. So now when the lid is up, I have no one to blame. <laughs> and it's two ladies and me. So I, I, I can't win. I'm not naturally disciplined. I love peanut M&M's. I can't say no to them. I love to sleep in. Uh, when my kids were little, especially when they were younger, I know I should have been a, a great father. And there was times that they'd be fighting and arguing as kids. And I should have got up and, you know, set them down and worked it out. I wanted to just give them boxing gloves and let me just say, let me know who wins. And unless there's blood, figure it out. But I've learned and I'm learning. And it's an ongoing journey that I must be mature. And I must choose between what I want most and what I want now. You, you see, what I want now a lot of days is to sleep in. But what I want most is to have a healthy body, to take care of what God has given me so I get up an hour early to go to the, the gym and try to stay in shape. You see, when my kids especially were younger, I've shared this testimony with you guys before, um, when our kids were very young, what I wanted now at that time was you know, to be a boy instead of be a man. And I wanted to play golf and I wanted to go fishing and I wanted to go hunting. And that's what I wanted now. But, but then I decided, no, I don't want what I want now. I want what I want most. I want a great marriage and I want a great relationship with my kids. And I had to say no to some things I wanted now so I could have what I wanted most and praise God by God's glory, I have that today. What, what, what I want now is to rush into my busy day because I'm a worker and I'm a doer and I could be a workaholic and I want to just rush into my busy day because I got so many things to do. But you know what I want most? I want a great relationship with my heavenly father. And that means I've got to take time to be in God's word for myself. I've got to pray and I've got to talk to God. You know what I want now is some material things like you guys do. But you know what I want most? I want to live debt free because the Bible says the borrower is, save, uh, is slave to the lender. I don't want to be like everybody else. I want to be weird. We're, 
everybody else is broke. Everybody else is in debt. I want a paid-for house so that I can leverage our blessings for God's kingdom and help other people. You know, what I want now is to keep every dollar in my paycheck. But you know what I want most? I want to put God first in the area of my tithes and my offerings because I know that's where blessings come from. Well, you know, what I want now is, is to, I'm a doer. I want to make things happen. And say, oh, look what I did. But you know what I want most? I want every blessing in my life to be to the honor and the glory of God. Because without him, I am nothing. And so that's why I have to spend a lot of time in prayer. That's my word this year is prayer. My statement, prayer is powerful. So that when good things happen in my life and in our church, Doug Dameron doesn't get the glory. Jesus Christ gets the glory. You, You know, listen, church. What I want now is a building. But you know what I want most? I want the building God wants us to have. And we got to be patient, and it's going to take time. And you know what? We don't have to have a building to have a church. I think, I think we've been doing pretty good for nine years. So in that, with that thought in mind, discipline is deciding between what you want now and what you want most. Let me ask you a couple of practical questions as we wrap this series up. First one is simple. What do you want most? Write it on your blank. Maybe you need to pray about it. Maybe you need to think about it. But you've got to decide, what do you want most? Maybe it's a healthier, healthier marriage, better relationship with your kids, lose 30 pounds, quit a bad habit, be more financially healthy. Maybe you want to be promoted at work. Maybe you want to, this is the year you want to buy a house, have children. Maybe you want a better relationship with God. You say, this is the year that I want to have a closer relationship with my daddy, my heavenly father. Week one, we talked about one word. Week two, we talked about one thought. Week three, we talked about one statement that we're going to say it because that's the way we want it. Now, here's the action. What is your one discipline? Put it in the blank. My one discipline. What do you need to do now so that you can have what you want most? Maybe you want to get in shape. That's what you want most, and so you, you need to, what you need to do now is you need to join a gym, pay the money, get a trainer to help you be accountable. Maybe what you want most is to be healthy financially, and you want to get out of debt. You know what you need to do now? Some of you all right now this morning, you need to sign up for one of our Financial Peace University classes, one of our small groups. We've got three of them. That, that can be life-changing. We've seen it just radically change people's finances and, and get that in order in a biblical way. Uh, maybe what you want most is a healthier marriage. And what you need to do now is you need to decide this night of the week, every week, is date night with my spouse, and we're going to keep it holy and sacred. And can you imagine if you have 52 date nights this year? You think you might have a healthier marriage? I think so. Uh, maybe you need to get in some counseling. You know, you've been putting it off. And what you want most is a healthy marriage. And what you need to do now is get some help. We can help you with that. Maybe you want, what you want most is a great relationship with your kids. And you got to do something different than your parents do. you got to make time for your kids. Because kids spell love, T-I-M-E. And you got to do some things now to have a healthy relationship with your kids. You, maybe some of you, you, you want to have healthier relationships. You say, you know, we need some new friends, some Christians, where we're in this Christian life together and we can encourage one another and pray for one another and lift each other up. And you know what, you, that's what you want most? So you know what you need to do now, today? You need to sign up for one of our small groups and get in one of those groups and make those connections. And, and I got some great news this morning. You can go to orchardgroups.com. It's that simple. Sign up for a group, and you'll find this. We put it on this week. Uh, thanks to Marcial and Jana, our new Spanish ministry pastor. We are, we are launching our first Spanish small group. So if you're looking for that, you can sign up for that today, all right? Maybe you say, what I want most is to be closer to God. 
I want to be more spiritually healthy. And what you need to do now is you need to get on a plan. You need to download the YouVersion app and, and, and follow one of those Bible reading plans each day. Maybe like me, what you want most is to have a better prayer life about everything. And so you need to get you a prayer journal and set time aside every morning. You get the Echo. It's called Echo Prayer App. It'll help remind you and what to pray for. Maybe there's a habit, a discipline in your life that's a bad one. It's a bad habit. It's a bad discipline. And you say, I, I need to get rid of this. And you need to, what you need to do now to have what you want most is to get into discipleship. Another man or another woman that can love on you and pray for you and not judge you and, and help you to grow and be accountable. And when we do that, what we're saying is, is, God, this is what I believe you want most and what I must do now to have it. Give me the strength through your spirit. Give, help me to be spirit discipline because we all desperately need God's help. Amen? We can't do it on our own. We've got to have God's help. And with Jesus' help, we can do now what will help us achieve what we want most. Small things, big difference. Big difference. As we wrap up this very practical series, I think we've all enjoyed so much. One word. What is your one word that God is going to use to direct your life this year? Because when we're faithful in a few things, he makes us ruler and trusts us with bigger things. What is your one thought? Because our life will always move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And the scripture says, as we think in our heart, so we become. What is your one statement? Your thought can be your statement, your statement that you're going to say because there's power of life and death in our words. And then today, what is my one discipline? What am I going to start doing every day, day after day, week after week, a small thing that will make a big difference because I am what I repeatedly do. And with Jesus' help and being spirit-disciplined, I can choose what I want most over what I want now. And I'm going to do some things now that will help me to achieve what I want most. And then down the road, somewhere, Maybe this year, maybe next year, somebody's going to look at your marriage, they're going to look at your family, they're going to look at your finances, they're going to look at your health, they're going to look at your walk with God and go, whoa, you're different. You, you've changed. I, I don't know what's been going on, but I, I want what you've got. What was the big thing? What was the big change that you made? And you're going to say, well, it all started with a little series in the beginning of 2015 at Orchard Church, small things that made a big difference because it's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. Amen? Would you pray with me? With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. I'm just going to simply ask you this. Will you commit to one discipline right now so that you can have what you and God wants for your life most? And you're asking this morning for Jesus' help in this discipline, to be spirit disciplined. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand for prayer all across the auditorium? Just lift them up high, all across. Fantastic. Hands everywhere. Let me pray for you. Father, help us to be doers of your word, not just hearers. Help us to understand through this series, small things make a big difference. And help us to be spirit-led, not self-discipline, but spirit-discipline. Help us to do now what we need to do so we can have what you and what we want most for your honor and glory for eternal rewards and for benefits in this life now for our marriages and families and finances and health and we know we can't do without you Jesus Jesus you are the answer it's not a principle it's a person it's not a what it's a who it's you and help us to connect with you and your word and 
guide and direct our lives. Small things that will make a big difference. And with heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, listen, I'm just telling you, this is what the Bible says, you can't change without Jesus. Not lasting change, not, not eternal change. And what some of you need most is you need to do something right now. And what you need to do right now is invite Jesus Christ into your life as Lord and Savior, like many people around you have done. So he can help you. He can put his spirit in you. And, and you cannot be self-disciplined, but spirit-disciplined and spirit-led. And if you say, man, that's me this morning. I'm tired of trying to do life on my own and it doesn't work. I, I'm ready to accept Jesus by faith and be spirit-led and spirit-disciplined. And to have his power in my life. If that's you this morning, I want to lead you in a prayer of faith. That you can pray right now from your heart to God's. It's not a magic prayer or magic words. But if you believe it and put faith behind it, you can accept Jesus Christ in your life. He'll put his spirit in your life right now in this place. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me and mean it from your heart? It goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. And you rose again from the dead. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I need you. I want you in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and saving me today. Thank you. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody look around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But if you just prayed that prayer of faith, and it wasn't just empty words, you really meant it. It came from your heart to God's. I want to pray for you. You just made the greatest decision you could ever make, and I want to pray for you and your, your new relationship with Jesus, and you grow in that relationship. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around for just a moment, would you just slip up your hand and say, yes, Pastor Doug, pray for me. I prayed that prayer of faith in a minute. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Just let me see it. Put your hand up high. God bless you. A couple. Yes. Believe a couple right over here. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Several people. God bless you. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those putting their faith and trust in you today. I pray they grow in their relationship with you. Their life will forever be changed. I pray as a church we would love them, accept them the way you do, and help them grow in their relationship with you. Help us never to forget this series. I pray that we've started some small things this year that would make a big difference the rest of our life. For your honor and glory, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate Decisions for Christ this morning? If you made a decision to accept Christ this morning, you raised your hand and said, yes, I pray that prayer of faith, I meant it. Please let us know about that. In your connection card, in your newsletter, you can check the box that says, I accepted Christ. Give us your contact information. We just want to continue to pray for you. We're going to send you a little book in the mail free that will help you in your journey with Christ and your walk with Him. If you're a first-time guest today, thanks for being our guest here at Orchard Church. We're so happy to have you with us. We hope we have blessed you as much as you've blessed us. Hopefully, you filled out your guest connection card, and you can drop that in the offering bucket as it goes by. Uh, we're not interested in your money today, guests, but we're definitely interested in you. We're going to send you a little thank you note in the mail and a free gift as well, so hope you will do that. So have you guys enjoyed this series, Small Things, Big Difference? It's been a lot of fun. Man, I believe it's going to... 
make a big difference in, in, in our life. I wish I could take credit for all of it that I came up with it. I didn't. There's some other churches that have done this series, done a great job with it, but I think it's been a blessing to all of us, and we've really enjoyed it. So let's stand. Let's close in a song, a response of worship. Worship through our giving. God bless you guys for being here today.